This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and I'm joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are we going? Uh, good, thanks. Uh, look, uh, as always on the show, we love getting your questions, emails, comments, feedback. You can email us anytime, cve at equitymates.com or hit up the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. Uh, let us know what you think. Better still, if you'd like to, uh, why not go and leave us a review uh, on iTunes, wherever you're listening to your podcast, that helps us in the charts and I don't even worked out exactly how that helps us, but it does help, I'm sure. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, that'd be amazing. Thomas, this week we are asking the question, can the most powerful woman in the world save capitalism? Mm-hmm. That's a big question. Mm. Yeah, we, we, I think we're building a reputation for tackling the big questions. <laughs> Well, I've, I've got a, a question, I guess, to start with before we get into that, which is, who is the, the most powerful woman in the world? What are we talking? Is it, is it Beyonce? Mm. Is it, in, my, in my circle, um, it's probably either Emma from the Wiggles or Bluey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Emma, Emma, but I'm guessing it's, it's not Emma no, or Bluey. No, Emma from the Wiggles sort of. does have a plan to save capitalism, but that's not <laughs> who we're talking about tonight. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about uh, Janet Yellen. Janet Yellen. Mm. Now, this name might not be known to some people, but it's definitely a name that should be uh, on the radar, and you'll definitely be hearing more from her as the as the year rolls out. But so, Janet Yellen is the new Treasury Secretary, appointed by Biden in the Biden administration. Before that, she was the chair of the Federal Reserve, two thousand fourteen to two thousand and eighteen. So, yeah, and the first woman to hold effectively the two most uh, powerful jobs in the country. Yeah, wow. I'm just looking at, I had to, had to Google most powerful women. Mm. According to Forbes in 2020, um, Angela Merkel is the most powerful woman in the world. Uh, Australia represented at number 45 with Gina Reinhart in there, which is, is positive. One place above the Queen of England, actually, <laughs> who came in at 46. Mm. So I don't know what the Queen's got to do these days. She's obviously losing her touch. There you go. All right, so Janet Yellen... Why? What's she going to do to save capitalism? Do like what's wrong with capitalism? Does it need saving? I was blissfully unaware. <laughs> I thought we were in pretty good shape. Uh, no, no, the planet's dying. I don't know if you've, you've heard about that. <laughs> yeah, where people are now talking about moving to Mars. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, Emma did a song about yeah. it. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, I mean, saving capitalism, that's a very broad brush. I mean, but definitely there is, there's a real pivot with the Biden administration and with Janet Yellen taking the helm of uh, of the Treasury to, at least at the moment, they're paying very good lip service to changing the fundamental order of quite a few things and then changing the course of the American economy at, at at quite a deep way and sort of restructuring sort of what the economy is and, and what it's trying to do. And I think we'll, we'll look back at 20, 2021 as a bit of a you know, paradigm shift in, in the way economics as a discipline even, even is thinking about these questions. So maybe I'll read, I'll read you a quote. So one of the first speeches she did, this, this is where this quote comes from. So mm. she opens up and says, you know, America's great. We're better than all the other countries, yada, yada. <laughs> The standard, yeah. the obligatory <laughs> opening to any American speech yeah, is yeah. just a formality, yep. really, that bit. <laughs> Tick. Now we'll crack on with the actual content. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she says, over the years, new problems developed that were not properly addressed. In the push to grow our economies, we neglected our environment. As we embraced new technologies, we didn't do enough to prepare our workers and our education systems for the changes underway. While we embraced trade as an engine for growth, we neglected those who did not benefit. And in the most recent period, when we might have adopted policies at home to face these issues and joined with our allies to address issues abroad, we isolated ourselves and retreated from the international order that we created. Over the last four years, we have seen firsthand what happens when America steps back from the global stage. America first must never mean America alone. Pretty powerful. Yeah, so not, not pulling any punches there. It sounds um sounds kind of it sounds pretty socialist like it's <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it says a lot about where we're at in the scheme of things that we interpret that as being socialist or communist. I mean that's my interpretation. I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much st- uh, too much stock into into how I interpret. <laughs> mm, your political economy is a little bit rusty. I've noticed. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah, but I mean this it's, it's, this is coming immediately after Trump. I mean. It's interesting, like the the sort of the capitalist, socialist, left right sort of framework for thinking about the about political economy is is a it's a two dimensional spectrum. It's very limited and it doesn't really capture all the nuance that we've seen. So Trump was really interesting in the sense that Trump was portrayed himself as a working class voter. He he got into the presidency in 2016 on the back of a strong working class vote in Middle America, in Rust Belt America in particular. But you know he he's not working class his policies were definitely not working class if anything they were sort of pro-capital um so in that sort of capital labor spectrum it's sort of hard to know where to place trump and and sort of hard to know where to place yellen here given that sense like yeah we're, we're talking about protecting the environment that's that was a problem but we're not talking about you know nowhere in the speech does she go on to say that that workers should seize the factors of production and overthrow the capital class like that you know she's not going there yeah and in fairness to trump he just promised to make america great again he didn't say for who (laughs) so i'm sure he made america great again for some people probably the the top one percent thought it's fantastic so yeah i mean i mean i think this this is really and this this is why i think it's interesting so the first that she points to the neglected environment like so that's huge i think that's sort of saying 
we're putting the environment front and center with the Biden administration. We're now going after a sort of we're going to we're going to spend green. We're going to try and green the economy. We're going to get back into the international orders. We're trying to lead the the, the world's attempts to address climate change. So that's that's a huge change, and the, and they're going to spend to do it. it there's, there's, the context is really important here too, because this is coming after the the spending binge that that was that was 2020 a huge cash splash that went that lasted all through 2020 and that came on that was started by trump and and this is why it opens the way for a new democratic uh administration to spend pretty freely because you know if 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 the purse strings had been really tight and and the budgets were close to surplus to come in with a huge spending agenda that was going to fix the environment fix workers you know all all of these things that they're promising to do it would it wouldn't have passed because everyone was sh- too shy about opening up the wallets because it leads to hyperinflation and all of this. But the the door was open, the the cat was out of the box, and the public had already embraced the idea that in a crisis we can spend, and it's legitimate to sp- if there's a crisis to spend and spend big. So are we saying are we saying that this is going to be more money printing, more QE, or is this? Just because I thought we were going to sort of, I thought we were reining all that back in a bit, and now you're saying no, no, it's, we've got the green light now. Everyone's got the green light to spend, spend, spend. Is that still money printing, or is this more traditional spending? Um, I think, I think, I think money printing is going to feature in it. I definitely think it's mm. going to feature, particularly with the we're talking about like preparing workers. So there, there does seem to be a very clear consensus emerging in the developed world right now that we're going to run the economies hot until we get unemployment down. Um, right. In Australia, Phil Lowe was talking about into the four point somethings. Um, we're gonna run run the economy hot, much hotter than we would have previously because we wanna see unemployment get down. And we're really gonna, we're really gonna focus on unemployment now. Um, so that does involve, uh, involve spending. The other thing that the Biden administration is talking about is also increasing the, increasing the tax take they're undoing some of the tax cuts that Trump brought in, the corporate tax cuts, only partially, not fully. So not, not fully unwinding what Trump brought in. Um, but they also are now talking about creating a, a global tax floor. And one of the big problems is it does, sort of doesn't really matter what your corporate tax rate is at home if your corporations are reporting zero income because it's all being routed through offshore companies in the Cayman Islands or whatever. And, that, and this is a huge problem. So, you know, America is now talking about trying to push for a, corp, uh, a global tax floor. And the IMF is now behind this, which is sort of pretty radical as well. The IMF. So you're saying everyone in the world, every government in the world is going to agree on a corporate tax rate? No, I don't think, I don't think it would work like that. What do you mean by a global tax floor? floor then like a, you know as opposed to a ceiling not a not a broken tax system um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make sure tax is flawed globally um, yeah um because won't these won't these jurisdictions like the cayman islands or anywhere else just go nah we, we're good we, we like a lot of the money flowing through here we're not going to participate i i don't think yeah i don't think you can force countries to do that and i think it would sort of it would I don't, I don't, yeah, it's a, it's a tax law question. I don't know, maybe one of the listeners might have some better ideas how the, the mechanics of this would work. I think it would sort of be more on your domestic company saying like if, you're, if your parent company is registered in the Cayman Islands, you're just paying a flat 50% tax until you give us a reason not to. 
you know so it might it might be something more like that like we're not going to yeah but if their income's zero then they'll, they'll happily pay I'll, I'll tell you what i'll pay 90 percent zero <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you like this is, this is the problem i'll kick in a bit extra from my personal stash yeah yeah oh look I'm, I'm sure i'm sure it's a difficult problem i'm sure it's not a, there's not an easy solution but i also i also think don't think it's an impossible problem cve at equitymates.com by the way if you do have a some insight into thomas's tax law problem um <laughs> get in touch <laughs> so this is big talk then so we neglected our environment um we didn't do enough to prepare our workers um See, and that's that's i think really one of the key ones and so i think the democrats in 2016 got blindsided by the working class vote for trump and i think they were a little bit complacent with feeling like the, you know traditionally the democrats are the um, the working class party, you know, so they, I think they were a bit complacent about that they deserved or were entitled to that vote, perhaps. But what what was happening in Middle America, particularly Rust Belt America, was that you know people were really struggling, like the, with the globalization that had opened up and the offshoring of a lot of industries, particularly to China, um, that gutted certain sectors of, of of America, and as all the jobs went offshore. And they weren't being replaced with anything. And what what happened is that communities were becoming completely hollowed out. And then that got pretty nasty or, or gnarly. So they talked about uh, deaths of despair, the, um, hmm. either through suicide, drug and alcohol abuse or opioid abuse. There's a huge opioid epidemic. And in those, those regions, those deaths of despair were rising, were spiking through the 2010s. Yeah, as 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 people saw their communities hollowed out and lost work and so on, and so people people were literally dying because of of the way that the economy had failed them, or that was the perception anyway. And yeah, and sort of between two thousand and ten and two thousand and twenty, if you were a white working class man in America, your life expectancy went down. What? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, working class areas like not having a bachelor's degree. Yeah, like me. <laughs> You're not working class. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a pretty staggering stat in this day and age when everything else is everything should be life expectancy generally should be always going up. Yeah, like with technological advancements, med- medical improvements, um, better care, better healthcare. We should. That's, there's no excuse for that. Really. Yeah. Should be should be going up. A developed economy should be going up. There is absolutely no excuse for life expectancy be, to be going down. If you had a BA degree or or more education, your life expectancy was going up. It was trending upwards. This is what you'd expect. But yeah, if you if you didn't have a, a degree, then it was going down. And so that was that's a terrible result. Like for 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 America, as you know, one of the leaders of the the most advanced global economy. It's a it's a terrible result it, it it looks really bad and people were obviously at the coalface of this in the, in those communities that were getting hollowed out people were genuinely angry and didn't feel like they were being listened to and i think one of the key moments from 2016 if people remember was when hillary clinton said oh there's the people who support trump are something racist and something and a bunch of people we just label as deplorables and I think, and that, and that just came off as super insensitive. Like there were, you know, I saw an interview with a woman who had lost her fa- her husband and her son, and is now and is now upset and wants the economy to change, 
And for that, she's now been called a racist and a deplorable. Yeah, right. And so Trump was a was a very smart political operator, and I think he saw that anger and he tapped into that anger. And when he said "Make America Great Again," he, that was what he's really speaking to. It's like let's make America a country where your life expectancy is going up, where your economic prospects are improving. And did it did it start to turn around at all in his time, or did it just continue? Was that just they were all just words? Yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't have the data to hand on that. I don't know. I haven't I haven't heard anyone saying that really shifted all of that because there was some talk of sort of you know bringing trade bringing work back from china and offshore but like the the horse had kind of bolted in a way like companies had just had reorganized themselves to rely on cheap labor in asia and the developing world you really need a coordinated top-down approach to revitalizing entire industries it's not something that that companies are going to do without the right incentives in place all right why don't we why don't we just pause there for a second we will take a quick break from our sponsor and come back with more on this discussion after this ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're on Comedian versus Economist, and Thomas, we're talking about Janet Yellen, and she's really taking the Democrats now in a new political direction. Is that fair to say? I think that's right. I mean, whether she's, how much she's in charge, but I think the Democrats are definitely moving in a different direction. And I think she lays this out with, with this quote where she's talking about, you know, we can't, we've neglected those who were left behind. We neglected those who did not benefit from the global trade order. I think she's talking directly to the people who voted for Trump in 2016, to the workers who were left behind. And I think the Democrats now acknowledge that there was real anger there and there was cause for that anger. And that can't be ignored anymore. I think what, what she's laying out here is a, is a plan, is an announcement saying we're going to tackle this head on and we're going to spend to do it. I mean, it could just be politispeak, right? Like it could just it be. It could be empty rhetoric, yeah. It could, yeah. Fluff, again, from politicians. It wouldn't be. You know, there is some precedent for that. Yes, yeah, they do have a bit of a reputation for. But in fairness, they've already won the election. So at least there's that. They're in. They don't need to be. They're not trying to win votes at, at the at the current no. exact point, exact moment in time. No, and they're, and they're spending like crazy. It's like kind of the. But everyone's spending like crazy. The whole world's spending like crazy. That's true. That's true. That's true. So it's not. It's not exactly. It's not exactly bold when you announce we're going to spend heaps of cash. We're going to we're going to print money and we're going to spend it on all the things. And people aren't now anymore like, oh wow, that's interesting. <laughs> 
It was like, yeah, well, duh, everyone's spending. You should too. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's a bit of that, but I think the the you see it in the in the in a sort of speech like this. You also see it in the kind of things that went into the Biden's latest stimulus package. Yeah, I, th- I think. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's totally empty rhetoric. I think we'll see how far it goes, and I think how it's this thing with money. When, when you got free money, is most problems are easy because political problems are difficult because there's generally a loser. You know, you look at the carbon tax story in Australia. That was that got sort of scuttled because there were companies that were going to lose. There was a loser to that in that story. They were going to they were going to have to pay more tax, and so they pushed back and fought hard against that. If you got free money, there's no losers in that story. Do you know what I mean? So to say, like we're going to spend heaps and heaps of money on the environment, uh, but we're not going to touch. You know, we're not going to ask companies to rein in their pollution or anything like that. And it's like, okay, so who's so who's got right. a problem with that as a policy? And I was like, yeah, you, yeah, spend as much as you want, whatever. Well, you'd be if you were if you owned a coal mine or something, you'd be a bit like, hang on, let's <laughs> see where this is going. Like, you know, it's not it's not just like a rocket scientist to be like, oh, what you're just going to build some massive um, solar plants? Oh, that sounds sounds positive. We'll just keep running our coal factory. <laughs> yep, you guys are good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think the coal industry knows the writings on the wall. I don't think that, that's any sort of any doubt about that anymore. Yeah. Mm. All right. <laughs> Still. Um, also, we've talked a lot about the US then, and, you know, this is obviously the Democrats are in the US taking things in a different direction, but what does that mean for Australia? Well, I, think, I think Australia is going, going to go down a very similar similar trajectory. Phil Lowe at the RBA is already sort of laying out a similar agenda in terms of unemployment, saying he's not, I'm not even going to look at raising interest rates until we get unemployment with a four in front of it. So saying, like, I'm very happy to run things hot until we get unemployment down. Whether that has the backing of Treasury, they're definitely not. There's still conservatives in government in Australia, so they're definitely not talking talk like Janet Yellen is. But I think we'll come once we get to the election, and free money is going to be very hard to turn turn away from. And I think there will be if you know as more awareness of of this sort of agenda grows, I think there will be a clamouring for targeted spending on these things as well the targeting spending that that directly helps citizens and uh, and in the era of free money we've talked about mm. all the nuances of that when we when we covered mmt it's in that introductory season that we did so it's not you know it's not f- totally just free consequence free money but well it's i mean it does it, we everyone keeps keeps qualifying it like that and saying this, this is not without consequence but no one's really wanting to say what the consequences will be and everyone seems to be the reasons for printing more money, uh, uh, they're just getting flimsier and flimsier. Like, it's just like, oh, well, now that now that the, the floodgates are open, you can just be like, well, we need some more money for this thing. And everyone's like, well, we certainly do. Let's print some money. Like, it's, big, it's becoming easier to rationalize the free money, isn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I mean, it, it may, mostly that, you know, we, we looked under the bed and the bogeyman we thought was there just wasn't there. So we've been printing money for over a decade now. Central banks across the world have been undershooting their targets for a decade. So the inflation, we couldn't even get inflation in a target band of 2 to 3%, let alone hyperinflation. So that big bogeyman that we were scared of, it has just been shown to not exist and it still can happen, but it needs certain conditions to be met. One of those is, you know, 
massive expansion in the money supply but that's only one of them and it needs another other another a few other things to line up before that leads to you know runaway inflation and we haven't we don't have those things at the moment so there are going to be consequences this is you know this is another quote from economists you're going to love there's going to be consequences but we don't know what they are yet (laughs) we know there's going to be consequences just can't tell you what they are (laughs) yeah I have a very good yeah theory about why we're in height. We will have some very sound analysis once these consequences come to bear. We will definitely be able yep. to tell you what happened. <laughs> this, this is that's literally how economics works. <laughs> um, all right. So this is so interest rates are staying low, inflation staying manageable. Um, this sounds bullish for the markets, yeah? This sounds like, like do we invest in, in green stuff now or we just kind of just keep investing in whatever we want? What's the, what's the play? Purely on the, on the back of an idea that the developed world is going to run their economies hot synchronistically all at the same time, you've got to think that's bullish for share markets, for asset markets the world over really like it's kind of hard to see a loser from that in the short term you know businesses are already talking about like business confidence in australia is at record highs like they're they're more more pumped than they've ever been forward orders are through the roof capex their investment intentions are are record uh, right up there so yeah it's it's already quite look uh, quite a bullish outlook for the economy before we even start shift like factoring in some kind of paradigm shift in the you know economic consensus which is which is i think what we're witnessing right when we're really saying that hasn't happened yet this is all sort of still in the very embryonic stages of you know this is new policy coming in it's new uh it's a new direction and so we haven't really seen the fruits of any of this at the moment, it's still just talk, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. Or does the talk then factor into everyone's predictions? And there's a bit of that. I mean, there's, there's there's a lot of money coming into the system. There's a lot of money already in the system. There's a lot of money in the pipeline. It's not it's not just talk. No, we can't say it's just talk. And some of that has has gone into fill the hole that COVID created. So it's a little bit hard to know where we're at relative to the because we had the baseline shifted with COVID, so our, all our reference points are out. So it's a little bit hard to know where we stand in that sense. How do you explain the big dip in crypto then over the past week or so that we've seen? Ah, uh, cause reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the most intelligent thing you'll hear about crypto this week. <laughs> <laughs> Cause reasons, yes. Heard it here first, definitely. Right. So this will this this may or may not have an impact on the crypto. Well, theoretically, it should be bullish for crypto if you know if if crypto is an alternative to fiat. You know, a lot of assumptions that go into that premise. But and you know maybe it's the totally overcooked and overhyped already. Possibly, I do, my Doge coins through the roof though, so. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, right. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Let's wrap it up there. Um, I just did want to get a quick <laughs> crypto mention in there because I know you love it. Thank you, Thomas, for your insights once again. Um, don't forget, you can email us cve at equitymates.com 
or head over to the website and find the contact form there, equitymates.com forward slash CVE. And also make sure you check out all the other great podcasts we've got from Equity Mates Media at the moment. Get Started Investing, Equity Mates Investing Podcast, Meet, Pay, Love, and of course, You're in Good Company. Uh, Thank you very much for your company and we look forward to catching you again next time. If anything in this episode has raised concerns for you or someone you know, support is available. Please call Lifeline on 131114. Comedian vs Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.